Do you ever wonder why certain people seem to have all the luck? Let me tell you a little secret. It's because they make their own. The sales process I train clients and podcast listeners like you on is one of many ways you can sell your services. Other approaches will work, but not as much as the one that I've created, because this one is designed around the way that humans make decisions. On this episode of Own Your Business, I'm going to share with you why small improvements in key areas will produce big results, seven deadly sins most wedding pros make in their sales process, and my simple step-by-step for guiding clients through the buyer's journey. I'm also announcing my first mastermind, and I'm really excited. It's going to be co-led by Persephone with the Media Socialites. We open the doors later this month, but for now, we're giving away solid gold nuggets and a free workshop you can sign up for with the link in my show notes. You're going to walk away with techniques you can put into practice immediately to create social media content that connects with your ideal client. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. I was in a Facebook group for wedding pros the other day. I'm in them a lot, and I'm in a lot of them, including our own, Sell Weddings Like a Pro. You can join up if you're interested, by the way. The conversations are always filled with different perspectives from planners, photographers, videographers, stationers, all sorts of fields. I love reading what people have to share. It's also a great way for me to keep a pulse on where people are struggling in their businesses. The posts and comments help point the way for me to create content in my newsletter and on my podcast. On this day last week, I was reading a post about custom proposals and it piqued my interest because I love custom proposals. I'm passionate about them because they're one of the most effective ways to book more clients at higher prices. And I went into the thread to see what everybody was saying. And people were going back and forth about how they share their pricing. Generic pricing guides sent out when someone first inquires, sharing a pricing guide on a discovery call, which actually makes it not a discovery call, but a sales call. They actually walk through the options on Zoom in a session and then ask the couple which one they want to book. A third way was to do a discovery call and then send over a generic pricing guide with several different collections, all of them pre-made, and then a menu of a la carte add-ons. A few people were actually doing custom proposals, which is great because that's likely to be the most successful. Now, it's not to say that the other three ways won't work. They will, some of the time, with some of the people who inquire. And that's well and good for some business owners. But if you want to increase the chances of booking more couples, more of the time, and at higher prices, custom proposals after a proper discovery call are your best probability for success. Let me say that in a different, more general way. There are lots of ways to design a sales process, but the one based on the science of selling is going to be more effective most of the time and will increase your chances of success. And every little bit of improvement counts a lot. Let's say you're a photographer who gets 100 people every month to land on your website. And let's say that you're one of my clients who follows scientifically proven approaches 
based on conversion copywriting and also gets 100 couples on their website every month. Now you have a website that was beautifully designed, lovely portfolio, an about page that typically is focused on you, an investment page devoted entirely to pricing, and a long-ish contact form that asks for their budget before they inquire. Now my client also has a beautifully designed website and a lovely portfolio, but the about page is focused on the client experience and the brand values. Instead of a page on pricing, it's about the value they create through the services they offer. And on the contact form, it's limited to six or seven, maybe eight fields, and their starting at price is mentioned on the side of the form, not in it itself. So out of 100 people who land on your site, you might get 20 to go to the contact page, 20 out of 100. Most are gonna stop at that investment page and won't go any further. And when they get to the contact form, they're worried and they're scared by your drop-down options. So let's say that two out of the 20 that go to the contact page actually complete the form and submit the inquiry. Now let's say that my client gets one in 10 more people than you did to go to the contact page. Just one in 10. So instead of 20, 30 go to the contact form. After all, she's building value and showing how she helps couples get what they want and need not focusing on herself or how much her photos cost. And because she's not focused on budget in the contact form, another one in 10 of those people actually complete the form. Here's the impact that has. Instead of getting two inquiries a month, she's getting six. Instead of two, she's getting six. Just with those little improvements, three times as many by getting one in 10 more people at the early stages to move forward. By the way, we look at a lot of analytics for websites, and these numbers that I just shared are not far off, both of what we see from common websites and what we see from our clients' websites. But let's say you get more than 100 people visiting your site every month. That's great. The math still works out the same way. 200 monthly visits gets you four inquiries and our client 12. 300 gets you six and our client 18. We actually have one client who gets 1,000 monthly visits and over 250 compatch bay visits. You can imagine how many inquiries they get. This is why we got into websites and copywriting three years ago, because my sales coaching clients were not getting enough inquiries in their inboxes. We couldn't get enough practice. And that's why we use conversion copywriting for the website copywriting that we do, because the goal is to create not just a beautiful website, that's important, but we also want it to be one that increases conversions with small tweaks every step of the user experience. The same math holds true for the sales process, not just website conversions. The goal for every one of you is to get the potential client to move to the next stage in the sales process. Yes, of course, you should be qualifying them along the way to make sure that you want to work with them. And you should qualify them based on budget, personality, how creative, or excited you are about the process. And if they're qualified, the goal then is to move them forward from one stage to the next, to the next, to the next, all the way through the buyer's journey. But most wedding pros I know are constantly creating unnecessary obstacles for that to happen. Here are seven deadly sins that I see time and again when I go through and look at sales process audits. Number one, a generic sales collateral that fails to show you care about them as a unique individual, AKA 
the templated email response that comes from your CRM. Number two, product pricing early in the sales process, which creates an imbalance in the value proposition. Essentially, you're sharing pricing details before they even know the value of what it is that you're offering. Number three, selling via email instead of picking up the phone or doing it on Zoom. Number four, pitching your services on a sales call instead of using that first conversation as a discovery. Number five, sharing generic packages and pricing or an overwhelming full menu of services instead of customizing it to the individual buyer in a unique personalized proposal. Number six, not scheduling a follow-up call to go through the proposal that you presented and then just hoping that they're gonna follow up with you and send in a deposit. And the seventh deadly sin, asking for a big deposit, like 50% upfront, when you could offer more flexible payment plans. Because let me tell you, even the wealthy, in fact, especially the wealthy, would rather have their money in their portfolio, not your bank account. So this morning I was joking around with my dad about an article that I read. It was covering the annual list of words or phrases that should be banned, banished from the English language. Lake Superior State University puts it out every year, and it's always fun to read. It's like the anti-list for the word of the year that you see those dictionary sites put out. So this year's list included GOAT, which is the acronym for greatest of all time, and AMAZING, which I have to admit I use quite often. (laughs) Gaslighting was on there too, which I thought was funny because my daughter and son use it a lot, probably overuse it, and they're only 14. Now, one of the phrases that they also wanted to banish was inflection point. And I take beef with that one because I use it here or there, not just because I've heard other people say it to me, but because I know it's the right word to use. And frankly, I don't hear many other people say it very often, so I don't know why they're tired of it. In fact, I actually gave a presentation last year in KT Mary's Tap Mastery program, and the whole outline was based on three inflection points that I shared with them. So what is an inflection point? It's defined as a point of a curve at which a change in direction of the curvature occurs. A point of a curve at which a change in direction of the curvature occurs. Basically, something was going one way and then it goes another. Something significant happened to alter how things progressed. The seven mistakes, the seven deadly sins that I see wedding pros make all the time that I just listed out a minute ago, yeah, Those are all inflection points in your sales process. They're moments when you do something that switches the probability from higher to lower that you're going to book the inquiry. Let's take one example. The first one that I mentioned, sending out a generic templated email response with all the information. Let's look at the initial inquiry and how that plays out. Now, most wedding pros I know love a good automated workflow. You have a CRM filled with emails and templates, and that saves you time, and that's great, but it's costing you money, and lots of it. Imagine you're a couple who stumbles on an Instagram account for a photographer after checking a hashtag from the venue that they just booked. They love the photographer's feed, they check out a few highlights, see that they've done lots of work at that venue, and so they move through to the website via the link and profile. Now, on the website, They don't find much information about the photographer because there's only a few photos and links to other pages on the homepage. 
So they go through to the portfolio to check out bigger galleries of the weddings that they just fell in love with on Instagram at the place that they're getting married. Boom, magic. They love what they see and are again motivated to explore the site. They want to get to know the person that they're going to trust with their wedding photos, so they head to the About page. But on it, they find a few interesting facts about them and only a paragraph or two. They're curious about working with this photographer still, but there's not enough information on the site to know if they should be serious. They head to the Contact page. They literally sigh because there's so many fields to fill out. (sighs) But what the heck? Their fiance is cooking dinner tonight, so she pours herself another glass of wine, spends a few minutes putting in details about their wedding, their style and vision for it, and a reasonably long description of what they're looking for in a photographer. When she gets to the budget question that she has to fill out, though, she pauses. She thinks, I'm not sure how much I'm going to spend on the photographer. That's exactly why I'm reaching out, to find out how much it costs. So she selects the middle option on the drop-down menu. It's more than she wants to spend, but she thinks to herself, hey, if I really like them, I'll pay for it. After all, I want someone I can feel comfortable with in front of the camera, someone who sees me for who I am. Now, dinner's almost ready by the time she finishes filling out that contact form, so she presses send and she puts the phone down. After dinner, about an hour later, she and her fiance, Steve, are on the couch trying to find a show to watch for the night. While Steve gets Yellowstone set up, she checks her email one last time, to see if that colleague sent over the project that she has to review tomorrow. No dice on the work stuff, but she finds an email from the photographer she just inquired with before dinner. Nice, fast response, she thinks. So she excitedly opens the email to see what it says inside. She wants all the details. What she finds though is a long email with big walls of text, like entire screens worth of them. In fact, she scrolls through to see if she'll have enough time to read the email before Steve starts the show, but after five swipes up with her thumb, she stops because the words don't. She goes back to the opening of the email and she reads a few sentences. It appears to be some generic email generated from a system, not a personalized response from a human. So she skims to see if there was any specific information in response to all the details that she shared with them on the contact form, all that time she spent filling it in, But alas, there's nothing. Just the same things she's seen from all the other photographers she's inquired with. Congratulations on your engagement. I'd love to learn more about your wedding and your fiance. I love photographing the little moments and tiny details. It's important to connect as people so that we can get on a call and learn more about each other. My prices are between this number and that number. Check out the big attachment with all of my offerings and information and see if one interests you. If so, reach out soon because I only take on a limited number of weddings every year. Let me know if you have any questions. Huh, she thinks. Why does this have to be hard AF to book every single vendor for my wedding? Why can't someone just make this easy for me? Even the recommendations my planner made get basic, boring responses from the vendors that I reach out to. So many photographers have gorgeous images, but they're all kind of looking the same now. I know I want an editorial look with a few blurry photos, but dozens of photographers do that. Why does this have to be so hard? Now, I have no clue how to make the decision. I guess I'm just going to go with the one difference that's easy for me to see. Price. So this is a great way to have empathy for the couples that you work with. I could do this with each one of the seven deadly sins committed by wedding pros who respond to inquiries but I'm not going to do that today. Instead, 
I'm going to share with you the ideal sales process that I've created based on all the books that I've read on buyer psychology, like shelves and shelves worth of them. It's also based on the applied behavioral economics program at Texas A&M that I'm in and the eight years that I sold directly to couples and booked millions in revenue for hundreds of events. And also the six plus years of work that I've done with hundreds of clients coaching one-on-one -on -one for them to reach success. This is such an easy, simple process once you get it down. So you're going to get an inquiry response. It's going to come through and you are going to personalize each and every single one of them. I kid you not. I don't think I've ever used a template. I might have at some point or another, but maybe in the very beginning, I literally write out a unique personalized response to every single inquiry that comes in. It takes a few minutes, but it's important because it makes the person feel like you care about them. So you respond to that inquiry. You want to do it as quickly as you can. You want to send out that personalized response, no more than 150 or 200 words. And you want to ask some questions. And ultimately you're trying to book a discovery call, which is the next step in the sales process. And that discovery call is not a sales call. It's not necessarily something where you're pitching your services. You're trying to discover what they want and need the most. And you're also helping them discover what they want and need the most because they don't actually know. They just know that they need what it is that you offer, but that's the surface level needs. They need to know and feel those deeper needs. After the discovery call, if it's a good fit if based on price and style and personality, and you want to work with them, you offer to send out a customized proposal. After the discovery call, you send out a quick little email recap. And then within a day or two, you send out that custom proposal. And in there, you're going to create some context for what it is that you're giving them. You're going to talk about their needs. You're going to offer the different service options that they can consider. You're going to provide a lot of social proof, and you're also going to talk about why you are different and better than other people that they're considering. That's what goes into a really great custom proposal. Now, this is where most people stop the sales process, and this is why you lose so many bookings. Because after you send out the custom proposal, it's really important to have a pre-scheduled second phone call to review the proposal that you shared with them. This is when you sell your services. This is when you go in to close the deal. Now these calls are usually 10 or 15 minutes long and they go straight to a yes answer very quickly. Most people that you're going to book do not get on a second phone call with you to go over how to move forward if they are not very, very interested in doing so. Hopefully things go well. And the last step is to send out a request for a deposit. I recommend 20 to 35%. So could be, you know, one in five payments or a quarter of the payment or a third of the total amount. And then a simple contract, as simple as your lawyer will allow, because you don't want to hit them with a 20 page document filled with mice type and legalese. That's it. Inquiry response, discovery call, email recap, custom proposal, second call to review the proposal, and then a small deposit and a simple contract. The key is to make it easy and interesting for the potential client to move from one stage to the next. Once you know they're qualified, create a path of least resistance, and you're going to start to see more bookings at higher prices. I hope this was a valuable podcast episode for you to see that yes, you can do websites and sales your own way. And yes, it may work some of the time. 
but not as much as a website that uses known conversion approaches and a sales process designed around the way couples make complex purchase decisions. Some wedding pros find success, especially early, based on innate ability or talent. Others are well-connected or get a lucky break. Many are naturally charismatic and can get people to like them. I know because I found early success in my sales career based on all of these characteristics. But then I got stuck. And the way I pushed through those years when I flatlined with my sales results was to turn to the science, to the case studies, to the emerging research put out by behavioral scientists. In the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about a new program I'm co-leading with Persephone from the Media Socialites. Persephone is one of the most sought-after tastemakers in the wedding industry and runs a digital marketing, social media, and content creation for over 100 of the biggest and best in the industry. The mastermind we've created is for wedding pros who want to attract more ideal clients and then book them at higher price points. I'm not sure if you remember, but last year around this time, I did catapult sales coaching. We filled our program with 25 pros who got coaching on advanced sales techniques, one-on-one attention from me to rework their sales process, and a ton of marketing recommendations specific to their business from me and our team. People in the program saw a ton of success, and I wanted to do it again but I felt that there were two improvements that I needed to make. First, more time. A month immersive was a lot of work to do in a short period of time for all of us, both the people who were enrolled in the program and our team. Everybody felt a little bit stressed. This new mastermind is gonna stretch out over a longer period so we can reduce the stress and actually get more done. The second improvement I wanted to make is that I felt like I needed to add in a stronger marketing component to complement all of the sales side of things. Getting more qualified inquiries is the biggest challenge for many wedding pros. And after our clients get a new website and learn how to book more inquiries, getting the right kinds of interest in your service is the only thing left to improve in the buyer's journey. So rather than do all this education internally, I suggested to Persephone on a call that we had that we do a joint mastermind to cover all the things necessary to attract your ideal clients to the website, get your website to convert as many as possible to your inbox, and then fill your calendar with high paying clients. Can you guys tell I am really, really excited about this new program and you will be too when we share more information about it in the coming weeks. For now though, We're going to give you a bunch of free insights on how to improve the content that you create on social media. This is the perfect way for you to start generating interest in your website right now during booking season, because it's the time to make sure you're doing all the right things to optimize interest and move people like we talked about from one stage to the next in the buyer's journey and social media content is where you start. So if you're interested in attending a free workshop that Persephone and I are doing later this month, check the show notes for a link to register. We're doing it live so that we can answer questions, but people who sign up will also get access to the replay. I hope to see you there. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 